on holiday, there's nothing like doing nothing. As an Expedia member, you can save up to 30% when you add a hotel to your flight, so you can go out there with great ambition to do absolutely nothing for less. Expedia. Made to travel. Welcome back to The Dirt Show. Princeton University just did something that uh, hasn't happened for many years at a major university. They fired a tenured uh, professor. Uh, the tenured professor was fired, they claim, because of uh, an improper sexual relationship many, many, many years earlier for which he had previously been uh, punished. But um, uh, his supporters claim that the real reason is that this professor had <clears throat> opposed Princeton's uh, racial policies of um, uh, diversity and inclusion and, and equity and had criticized uh, some of the uh, political correctness. Um, the last time I recall a, a professor with tenure being fired was Stanford University back in the early 1970s when they fired a Marxist and Stalinist and Maoist professor. I know because I was his lawyer. And um, Stanford fired him because he was accused of um, employing uh, violence, threatening violence, uh, being complicit with violence by members of an organization called Vince Ramos, um, an organization that believed in violence, and, and some of its members had apparently shot uh, bullets into the homes of faculty members. That was, that was quite different. Um, uh, eventually, um, this professor, Bruce Franklin, was fired by Stanford and immediately hired by Rutgers University, where he served as a tenured professor for many, many years. Um, people on the left who, who get fired get jobs again. Uh, people on the right who get fired uh, don't get jobs, as, as evidenced by yet another professor at, at MIT, one of the most uh, distinguished scientists in the world, who was um, um, uh, criticized and, and, um, and essentially forced to leave uh, MIT. And then he was about to be hired by NYU, and there was a tremendous amount of pressure from, from students not to hire him because of alleged uh, sexual harassment. Uh, this is a new form of McCarthyism. Uh, there's no due process. There's no real opportunity to um, prove innocence. Indeed, the burden is on uh, the accused always to prove innocence, and there's no real opportunity uh, to, uh, to do so. What, what happens is these universities hire law firms that specialize in doing these kinds of investigations. And these law firms specialize in doing this because they almost always come out against the um, individual and in favor of the university's um, decisions. And, you know, if the universities don't uh, fire or discipline, then they're in trouble under federal law. But if they do discipline, there's no problem. They may face a lawsuit, but uh, um, universities have a fortune of money to uh, litigate. And so um, they opt for firing or not hiring and taking the easy way out. Uh, the real victims of this are both the professors who, who get fired or who don't get hired, but um, equally the students who are denied access to some of the best professors in the world, just as occurred during McCarthyism. I remember when some of the best professors at Brooklyn College were fired. The case went all the way up to the United States Supreme Court. A professor named Slockauer was fired because I think he had 
refused to answer questions in front of the House Un-American Activities Committee. And I remember the students being very upset because Professor Slakauer was a very good professor and they were being denied access uh, to him. And that's what's going on uh, today. Universities are taking the easy way out. Um, and the easy way out is, you know, when in doubt, throw them out. Um, and you're not going to get any pushback from the federal government. You're not going to get pushback from the radicals on campus or from the noisy and loud people on campus. But if you don't um, uh, fire him, then the federal government will be on your neck and the radicals will start threatening to close down the universities. So when in doubt, throw them out. And that's been the uh, mantra uh, of universities. And it, it's, it's time to stand up uh, to this. You know, fortunately in my case, the allegations against me were so um, uh, unbelievable and discredited that uh, the university didn't take any action, even investigate me. I wish they had investigated me. I had invited them to investigate me, but the, the arguments uh, were, and the, the, the accusations were so absurd that um, they, they didn't even bother to do it. You know, I taught for 50 years at Harvard without a single allegation ever made against me, and uh, in, in my case, the woman uh, admitted on tape that she couldn't say yes to the fact that uh, I had ever touched her, uh, which I didn't, uh, and her own lawyer admitted she was wrong, simply wrong. So the university did nothing. Um, had they had more evidence, they probably would have tried to do something, not because of the allegation, they, they knew it was false, but because I defended President Trump, and uh, that was a bigger sin than anything I was ever accused of, and because uh, CNN uh, edited a tape and had me saying that uh, a president can't be impeached even if he commits serious crimes, the exact opposite of what I said, but when you doctor a tape, you can make anybody say anything I know. I defended the former president of Ukraine, <clears throat> President Kuchma. Uh, the KGB had created a tape uh, of him um, making statements that he never made, and we were able to prove the tape was doctored, and we, we won the case. And uh, I have a lawsuit now against CNN where I'm able to prove that CNN doctored my tape, eliminating the statements that if a president does anything unlawful or illegal, he can be impeached. They turned it around and said, uh, he said that even if a president does something illegal or unlawful, he can't be impeached if he thinks that it's in the national interest for him to be reelected. Exactly the opposite from from what I said. So we're we're living through a new age of um, McCarthyism, where the burden of proof is on the accused, and where the accused can't even satisfy the burden of proof. Where no matter how much evidence you present, the decision is based largely on what the reaction will be of the loudest group on university uh, campuses, and uh, university campuses are turning into uh, kangaroo courts where people are just denied the most elementary aspects of due process. And what does this tell us about the future of due process in America? After all, this is much worse than McCarthyism. Why? McCarthyism was the residue of an old age. McCarthyites were dinosaurs, uh, people from the 30s and 40s who were about to be uh, thrown out of office. They were the past. But these McCarthyites on university campuses today are the future. Uh, there are future leaders. Uh, the people who are today urging uh, universities to fire professors or not to hire them, 10 years from now will be uh, editors of the New York Times, senior partners in Goldman Sachs, members of Congress, and probably in 15 or 20 years, candidates for president of the United States. So. We're looking at the future. We're looking at a very dark and dim uh, future.
uh, a brave new world, uh, a 1984 future where um, uh, the uh, censors are not necessarily the government, but um, the social media and the universities and um, the people who uh, determine what we see and and what we hear. And it's, it's very hard to fight back if you're fired from a university professorship or if you're uh, not hired. And the impact is not only on the two professors or probably a dozen more who have experienced this, but on the hundreds and maybe thousands of professors who today remain silent because they fear that if they speak up, they will be attacked they will be criticized and ultimately they may be fired and, and, and dismissed and um, it's uh, uh, putting a pall on, on free speech in universities. When I taught at Harvard for 50 years, I never had to think twice about what I was going to say. Uh, if a student said something, I'd respond. Uh, if it was politically incorrect, so let the student criticize me. But I never feared for my job. I never worried that uh, I would be called in front of the dean. You know, and, and again, 50 years of teaching, I was never called uh, in front of the dean. And if I had been, I wouldn't have gone. I would have said, look, I teach. If you want to fire me, bring charges. But I'm not going to come and justify and explain. Uh, my teaching, I have academic uh, freedom. The students have academic freedom. The students signed up for my class. Uh, I'm teaching it. I'm teaching it the way I want to teach it. And if there are any complaints, uh, bring formal charges. I wouldn't have come and sat down uh, with the dean or the president of the university and, and tried to justify my, my teaching. My teaching was justified uh, by, by itself, by the fact that I turned out you know, uh, hundreds and hundreds of brilliant and successful students over the years. But today, I think many teachers are terrified. Um, uh, I, I've spoken to teachers who no longer use the Socratic method uh, which is asking questions and then responding to questions with more questions, because that's unrehearsed. Uh, professors now are preparing written lectures uh, and reading them uh, and tape recording the classes to make sure they're not uh, misinterpreted. And there's nothing more boring than a read lecture. Uh, no wonder students don't come to class anymore, because uh, you can get the lectures on Zoom. You can get it while <clears throat> sitting in your pajamas. And so, you know, teaching at major universities has gone downhill, and I think academic standards have gone down very, very considerably. And uh, it's worrisome because uh, universities uh, used to be great places of challenge and learning. I remember when I taught freshmen at Harvard College, and, and I would say, look, I'm going to challenge every one of your views in this class, and I'm going to make you uncomfortable. You know, if you want to be uh, comfortable. There's a you know, massage therapy place um, a few blocks from here, and you can get a nice, warm, you know, soak and, and massage. But if you want every one of your views you've ever held in your life challenged and questioned and, and put you on the defensive and make you justify and explain your views, hey, this is, this is the right class for you. And um, I think only once did a student leave and say, no, I'm, I'm not sure I'm up to Having all my views uh, challenged, this was a very religious uh, student, but um, every other student stayed in the class and my evaluations were always um, stellar um, because the students loved it. But now they're being denied it. They're being basically told by 
administrators that no, uh, no, uh, there are certain questions that can't be asked, there are certain points of views that uh, can't be expressed, and uh, as a result of that, um, I think we're seeing a major, major diminution in the quality of, uh, of higher education, and it, it goes down to high school, it goes down to elementary school, where students aren't taught how to think they're propagandized into believing uh, critical race theory, which is anything but critical. It's uncritical race theory, or, or being told that all whites are, are, are racist, and you're a six-year-old, uh, you're a privileged racist. Um, that's not education. That's uh, propaganda and dogma. That's what the Chinese did uh, when they put uh, dissenters in re-education camps, and what uh, Russia is doing today with the few who have the courage to dissent against the outrageous and illegal war uh, in, in Ukraine. Uh, do we want the United States to turn into uh, Russia and China and Iran and uh, Belarus and Cuba? Uh, we have a lot to protect and preserve here. And uh, sometimes I wonder whether I did the right thing by retiring at age uh, 75. It's now been um, uh, eight years, uh, no, almost nine since I retired. Uh, I miss the fight. I miss going back and challenging everybody at everything. I do it still. I, I write uh, two or three op-eds a week, but uh, there's nothing like the thrill of standing up in front of 150 students or a lecture hall with a thousand students. I've taught lectures with a thousand students. Um, and challenging them and have them challenging you. And um, as I said in all my classes, you know, in my classes, I'm not the professor. I'm your equal. Um, if you have a better idea, it will prevail. If I have a better idea, maybe it will prevail. And we don't have to vote. Let's hear all of our ideas and let's challenge each other and let's make sure that um, no idea goes unchallenged. That's not the message that Princeton University has sent out by firing Professor Katz and it's not the message that uh, MIT and NYU have sent out by uh, the way in which it treated this great scientist who now is, is unemployed um, and because no university will go near anybody who was uh, fired for uh, any activity which even suggests any kind of sexual misconduct even if the evidence isn't there or if the um, punishment uh, doesn't fit uh, the crime. Um, uh, today, um, uh, universities are captive captive to the hard left, captive to the censorial uh, progressives, the wokes, and um, they're not what uh, they used to be, and they're not what they uh, should be. And so uh, I do think that uh, we have a long way to go to restore universities to their proper place. Uh, before I take questions, um, let me just uh, go to my great sponsor. Uh, do you own a small business and need help growing it? Then AnthemSoftware.com is your one-stop solution. Anthem Software helps small businesses all over America find, serve, and keep more customers profitably by providing world-class uh, CRM software and results. Focused market services. Uh, your business will not only grow but dominate in this highly competitive modern world. That's AnthemSoftware.com. Every business has a song, so let AnthemSoftware.com Help you sing yours. Visit AnthemSoftware.com to schedule your free demo of this amazing, amazing solution. So let me take, uh, let me take some questions. Um, 
first question is, the replacement theory is a hoax to silence the right. Tucker, Tucker um, is not this Tucker Carlson, did not say anything untrue. And it was actually the left who was bragging about the changing patterns of the voting due to the demographic shifts. No, that overstates it. Uh, remember Charlottesville? People marching down the street saying Jews will not replace us. That is the replacement theory. That's a theory which obviously started in Nazi Germany in the 1930s when people fired Jews from universities and from jobs because Jews will not replace us. Um, and then we saw French academics uh, making uh, a similar argument. And, and now it has come uh, to America. There are those on the hard right who have been arguing, who have been arguing that there is a democratic conspiracy to get people of color to vote and to come into this country and to increase immigration on the theory that those people will vote Democrat and those people will replace the quote real Americans by which they mean you know white Americans it's interesting because the concept of real Americans used to mean white Protestant Americans now it includes Catholics but it doesn't include Jews uh, Jews are not uh, white under that theory they are white by the reckoning of black bigots and radicals so they're stuck in the middle. The, the extreme right bigots don't regard Jews as white. They're going to try to replace us. And the bigots on the right don't regard Jews as white. Um, they're, they do regard Jews as white, and therefore they must be racist if they're white because we know that all, all whites are racist. So um, it's not a phony theory. It's really out there, and it's, it's false, but it's out there, and it's being promoted. Uh, by people who should know better. And here's a follow-up to that. When the leader of the Senate majority, Chuck Schumer, writes a letter to Fox demanding that Tucker Carlson be silenced, then there is a serious problem in our society. Trying to silence political opponents and using tragedy as the pretext to do so is despicable. I agree with that. Um, I don't think that uh, um, a politician should be writing to TV stations and, and urging them to... Um, in any way uh, dismiss uh, people who uh, express different views. Uh, just express your own views. Um, uh, write letters to the editor. Turn off the television. Uh, there are a lot of things you can do. Um, Fox might decide on its own uh, not to promote views of this kind, but I don't think it's the job of the Senate uh, majority leader anyway to to suggest to Fox News, which obviously doesn't like the majority leader, the majority leader doesn't like Fox News. But when the, the majority leader of the Senate writes a letter to Fox News, there is an implicit threat there always. It's the government is watching you and the government is going to do something if you don't do uh, what they want you to do. The letter is not written to inform or advise or just give an opinion. When it comes from a high-ranking government official, it's designed to intimidate. And so, although I disagree with much of what uh, uh, Fox says and with much of what uh, Tucker Carlson says, I fundamentally disagree that the majority leader of the Senate should uh, be writing to Fox News telling them what to allow and what to disallow. 
Next question um, is, uh, sadly, the very people who cheer gay marriage, gay marriage and abortion protection by the courts would love to see constitutional rights they don't agree with banned. The Supreme Court has been politicized and is no longer there to interpret but legislate from the bench, and I blame the liberal left who continue to push for socialist and Marxist rule. Well, probably the most important um, judicial legislation um, recently has been expanding the Second Amendment, uh, which for years was interpreted to mean a collective right uh, to bear arms as part of the militia. And then the Supreme Court in the Heller case reached out and decided that no, uh, no state has the right to ban uh, guns and states are all subject to control by the Second Amendment. Uh, how is that different from what, uh, from what the, uh, uh, the left has done? So I think both sides have politicized uh, the Supreme Court. Next question. Professor Dershowitz, according to Judaic law, does a fetus have a soul? I couldn't care less. Um, what's the difference what Judaic law says? And, uh, that's not what American law says. Uh, American law doesn't deal with souls. Uh, it deals with uh, uh, the realities of life, and uh, they're complicated enough uh, in the abortion context uh, not to worry about souls. I'm going to let um, uh, priests, rabbis, and ministers deal with souls. I'm going to try to deal with lives. Uh, Dersh is either falling into the pit hole of the lefty misinformation about people on the right who are planning to reverse marriage, contraceptive, and even interracial marriage rights, which is hard to believe, for he's not that dumb. Or is he using this because it is serving well his agenda? I have to tell you how many letters I've gotten from people on the right who want to see these rights reversed as well. Um, you know, they're wrong. Um, as I've said, I think there's an enormous difference between victimless rights, such as uh, marriage rights and, and contraceptive rights and rights with alleged victims. But there certainly is a movement on the hard right. Uh, we're seeing it, and we're going to see litigation. I guarantee you, once Roe versus Wade is overruled, we're going to see massive lawsuits uh, challenging um, these other issues. It's going to be hard to get them before the court speakers who has standing to challenge contraceptives, who has standing to challenge gay marriage. But uh, somehow, some courts will do it the way it will probably happen is some states uh, may uh, pass laws uh, limiting or prohibiting this. Although I don't think any state today would pass a law prohibiting interracial marriage. Gay marriage is different. There may be a few states that will do that. And if so, then obviously people who want to marry uh, people of the same sex will have standing to bring that lawsuit. Be interesting to see if any of that actually comes to fore. Um, so let's see what else we have. Uh, I assume your position on gun rights is predicated on abuse of these rights. Would pervasive abuse of abortion rights alter your position on abortion rights? Uh, how much effort have you uh, invested in quantifying the abuse of abortion rights? For a concrete example of abortion rights abuse, I suggest there's some threshold quantity of abortion, say 100, that qualifies as abuse. No, uh, uh, abortion, if it's legal, should be available to uh, anyone who chooses to have one, um, whether they're 100 or 1,000 or, or 100,000. Uh, doesn't much matter. Um, obviously, we'll never see a time uh, when abortion is permitted uh, late in the pregnancy. I don't think states will pass such laws. Maybe New York will. 
Um, maybe California will, but most other states won't. Um, and I think the abortion fight will take place between you know, 15 weeks and seven months. Um, there are extremists, obviously, on both sides who would ban abortions um, um, even in the first week, uh, and some would even ban the, would ban the abortion pill, uh, could be taken, I guess, the night after sex. And there are some on the other side that would permit abortion until uh, the very last uh, aspect of, of the pregnancy. Uh, neither of those views reflect mainstream thinking in America. The vast majority of Americans think that a woman should have the right to some uh, abortion during some part of their pregnancy and uh, probably that the state should have some power to regulate when that starts and, and when that stops. That's probably going to be the end result, even if Roe versus Wade is overruled. I think the vast majority of states will permit uh, abortions at an early stage and they will all prevent them, pretty much with some possible exceptions at a later stage. Um, but um, the relationship between the federal government, the state governments, and the courts is, uh, under our system of federalism, very complex. And so the abortion decision says as much about our system of governance as it does about the particular right of abortion. Abortion issue is not going to be decided based on uh, whether or not a fetus has a soul. It's going to be based on issues of federalism, issues of separation of powers, uh, issues of the power of courts. And, and so uh, these are issues that will persist. That's part of what democracy is about. And we'll continue to fight about uh, these issues for a long period of time. The important thing is, let's continue to argue rationally. I like the letters I've gotten in the last uh, few weeks. Less name-calling, less attacks, uh, less, um, you know, thinking the other side has no argument. I mean, my point of view has always been that there are arguments on all sides, particularly in the abortion context. I understand people who think that abortion is killing a fetus. I also understand people who think that if you don't allow abortion, you endanger the life of uh, pregnant women. And therefore, some balance has to be struck. Roe versus Wade struck the balance in favor of a woman's right to have an abortion. Uh, these uh, most recent decisions, uh, uh, until this one now, have constrained that right to some degree, and this one will constrain it even more. The question is, will it abolish uh, the right to an abortion as a federally protected constitutional right? That remains to be seen, and you'll be sure that when the Supreme Court decides its decision in Roe versus Wade, whether it be five to four in favor of overruling Roe versus Wade, or four to two to three, with Chief Justice Roberts and one of the other judges, maybe Kavanaugh, saying, look, we don't have to reach Roe versus Wade yet because all we have to do is uphold the 15-week, um, beyond 15-week ban of the Mississippi. But whatever that decision is, one thing you can be sure, we will have a serious discussion of it on The Der Show. I will welcome your opinions and I will respond to them all. So see you tomorrow on The Der Show.